meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. everyone. Welcome to episode 30, where we are going to continue our conversations talking about how to end emotional eating. Uh, yeah, this... Okay, let me just back up a little bit. I have been helping people lose weight for seven solid years, and I've helped thousands. And I've also seen thousands not help themselves. And it's so crazy. I am literally studying people like they are zoo animals or lab rats. Like I am in the laboratory trying to figure this out. Why do some people get results? Why do some people not get results? Why do some people get results and then put all the weight back on? And I have found the answers and I'm going to share the answers with you. I feel like I have the cure for cancer, except this isn't cancer. This is your body. This is living in a house that you feel comfortable in, not your physical house, not your address, but the one body you have been given. Why not be comfortable in it? Laying in your jammies on the couch, that is something to fight for. Here's what I find happens more often than not. People have a complex, negative, difficult emotion, however you want to label it. They don't like feeling that. So then they eat their feelings instead of feeling their feelings. And I am here to tell you that if you learn how to feel your feelings and not how to eat them, you have conquered the world. Because if you can do it in weight loss, you will learn it on a micro level and you will be able to apply it in all other areas of your life when you're not so scared of your emotions. When you know that 50% of your life is the late nights, the sacrifices, the criticism, the doubts, the failure, rejection, all of that, when you know that that's part of the human experience, then you're not repressing it and pushing it away so much And you're saying, oh, this is part of the human experience. This is blank. This is this emotion. This is this feeling. And when you have these emotions, it emits off chemicals into your body. When you exercise, when you eat right, you have control over the chemicals that are being released out of your body. 50% of your life will be amazing, happy, joyous, like your birthday. But you can't have your birthday every, every day. You need to have the contrast and the polarity of the different emotions so you can appreciate the good, know that the quote unquote bad is part of the human experience, and you won't be so scared of it. So many of my clients tell me, I'm not going to be able to eat the fun foods, Kelly. I'm so scared of gaining it back. I'm never going to be able to eat. Exercise is too hard. I want, I'm, maybe I'll get all this unwanted attention from other people or from my spouse. Maybe I'll, I'll have to be intimate again maybe my spouse will leave me because he's struggling with the same things. All these fears come up. I'm so afraid of failure. So what they do is they fail on purpose in ahead of time to avoid the failure that they might have down the road. 
Isn't that crazy making? But so many people do it. And when you're aware of this, that it's the brain's just doing the brain's job. When you're not so scared of feeling a negative human emotion, then you'll know that this is part of the human experience and you won't try to eat your feelings away. Think about how food was handled when you were younger. This is a great thing to dig back into your past, not to live there, but just to be aware of it. How is food treated? Food is treated almost like a celebrity. Like you get good grades, we're going to go for food. We're going to do we have a party, we go for food. We we have happy times, a birthday, there's food. There's food, there's food, there's food. And then there's more food. And if you don't eat more food, sometimes there's food pushers. Like if you don't eat all the food, why aren't you eating all the food? Eat some more food. Why aren't you eating my food that I made you? And so sometimes we equate food with love. When the person that made it for us is doing it out of love, but the actual food isn't love, but the person that made it is love. And so what we do is we substitute food for love. So when we're feeling lonely, angry, sad, rejected, what is the contrast to all those emotions? Love always wins. So instead of giving ourselves self-love and knowing that this is a normal part of the human experience, we treat food like it's love. And then we eat the food to try to compensate for the negative emotion. And then you know what it does? It exacerbates the problem. That's a very hard word for me to say. I should get points for saying that on the podcast. It exacerbates the problem instead of feeling the lonely, feeling the sadness, feeling the anger, and not running away from it like we're Forrest Gump, because emotions are not that scary. When you take away their power and you don't make them as scary, then you feel them and it's a vibration that goes through your body, but doesn't take over your body. Once you stop overeating, that's when the work starts. The exercise and the choosing the foods, that's the easy part. That's the A-line of the model. C-T-F-A-R, circumstance is your current weight when you step on the scale. Your thoughts about the circumstance, that is what we are working on. That's all I help with my clients. Because your thoughts about your weight is what matters more than the A-line, which is the action line. Because so many people during the new year, I get so many emails, help me, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm tired of feeling tired. I'm, I want to be comfortable in my own skin. I want all these things. But then their action line is very short-lived. They'll be really gung-ho for five to seven days. It used to be 10 to 12. I think society is just getting faster and faster where we want results. We have a microwave mentality where we want results and we want them now. And if we don't get them now, then we just give up altogether. But I'm here to tell you that the joy is in the journey, the prize is in the process. It's not in the A line. It's in the T line because the T will then drive the F. And when we know that the F line is in charge of most of our decision-making, then our actions become easy. Because if we have the thought that you, that let's say you weigh 250 pounds, your thought is I'm disgusting. This is disgusting. I will never be able to lose this weight. Your feeling is frustration and overwhelmed before you even started. So you might start something with me or another coach, and then you'll say, and then the action will be short-lived because frustration is driving those actions versus let's say 250 is the weight, and that's not your goal weight. I don't care how much you weigh. I just want you comfortable in your own skin. Whatever that is, whatever jammy pants you want to put on and snuggle in your couch or your bed and be cozy in your own home, 
And I don't mean your house. I don't mean your address. I mean the skin that you live in. There is nothing like being comfortable in your own skin. I'm obsessed with it and I'm obsessed with passing it forward to other people because then I know it passes on to the kids. And that same mindset that you're going to learn, you're going to pass on to your kids. Healthy or unhealthy, whatever it is, they will absorb it from you. Your relationship with food, they will absorb from you. Your relationship with your body, they will absorb from you. If you're always hiding in pictures, pulling at your clothes, I'm so FAT, saying it, I don't want to take any pictures, saying all those things, that will become their inner voice. So that's why I'm so passionate about this. This has nothing to do with the scale, has nothing to do with the clothes you wear. It has everything to do with your thoughts about your C. So the thought about a C could be something like, I am determined to weigh a certain weight. I am determined to be size blank. So then your feeling would be determination. So your action line is like show up no matter what. Even when the amygdala does the amygdala's job and says, don't show up, you don't need to, it's never going to work. All those things that the amygdala does, you get more aware of it and you can call yourself out on your own BS. This is not about making excuses to yourself. This is about understanding how your amygdala works and knowing that the amygdala is always doing its job and you bring it along for the ride. You don't beat it up for having those thoughts. You just are aware of it. And then you gently guide it in a different direction. I hear you. I see you. It's kind of like when I was driving to a game the other day and I had two GPSs going. And one GPS I knew I could rely on and the other GPS was not as reliable. So I couldn't shut it off because I was driving, but I had two going at me at once. I had my phone and then my car. My phone is much more reliable than my car's GPS. So my GPS would say things And I would say, I hear you, but I'm not listening to you right now. I'm going to follow this other direction. And so it's like you have two GPSs in your brain. This is really good news. This has nothing to do with your discipline. This has nothing to do with your amount of willpower. Because you can't beat yourself up to being thin. You can't white knuckle yourself to thin. You can't hate yourself to thin. You can't loathe yourself to a healthier body. You can't reject yourself over and over and over and expect that you're going to get results. This is why it causes such crazy making. 93 to 95% of people are not comfortable in their own skin. And they think about their weight and their extra weight 95% of their day. Do you know how much wasted energy that is on the spinning? Should I do this? Should I do this? I should do this. Well, maybe I should. And that decision, it's called decision fatigue, Brooke calls it. Decision fatigue where you're thinking about it and thinking about it versus actually doing it. Doing it is less tiring than thinking about it. I'm going to say that again. Doing the work is less tiring than thinking about it. The amount of thinking that you're doing about the extra weight is more exhausting than pushing play on a workout, than running a mile, than going for a long walk with your dogs by making good choices when you eat. Because when you are fueled with self-love and your thoughts about what you're doing are filled with self-love, you don't see choosing salad over nachos at dinner as being a way to restrict yourself and I'm white-knuckling it. You see it as a way to give yourself more energy and give yourself more self-love because you are given one body. 
Just like we have children, we feed them healthy foods because we love them. When we're pregnant with them, if you were lucky enough to carry your own children, you ate for two. You ate like you wanted the baby to eat. So it's almost like you have to pretend that you're pregnant and eat like you want your baby to eat, except the baby is you. Stop hiding in the extra weight. You're not hiding from anything. You're actually creating more suffering. Life is hard enough. When you have extra weight on top of the hard life, then it makes it even harder and it compounds the 50% because you're in constant conflict with yourself. Instead of making the choices that you know you want to make on a consistent basis and nothing to do with the scale, your compelling why has to be so much bigger than the scale because the scale is very wonky. And it's crazy because when you first start working out or you start first start a program, you actually cause muscles to tear and fibers to break down. So to create healing for those fibers, which is a good thing, you're probably going to drink more water. You're going to eat healthier foods. What the muscles do is it takes that water and says, I need to hold on to this water. This water is helping me to heal. So your weight might actually go up when you start a program and then you throw your hands up in the air like you just don't care when you care so much. I equate it to if you've ever had someone who's ever cheated on you and then you're always saying, I will never date again. That was too painful of an experience. I will never get my hopes up again. I will never fall in love again. I will never open up my heart again. I see so many people and so many of my clients do this with their weight. They've tried in the past. They've tried a lot in the A line, but never in the T line. And when they focus on the A line, they don't get the results because they haven't even looked at the T line. They haven't looked at their thoughts about the scale, their thoughts about the clothes they're in. And so it's rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. I'm never going to try another program. I'm never going to try another diet. I don't care which program you choose. Just choose one and do it. Because if you do it, it works. The programs work if you work it. But when you stop working it, they stop working. And when you kind of do the programs, they, you kind of get results. And when you go all in, you get all in results. When you do it halfway, you get less than halfway results. And then you're compounding that problem and you're creating that confirmation bias where you're believing the same things over and over and over. Now you're creating evidence. See, it doesn't work. Then that neural pathway gets even stronger and stronger and stronger. Because the neural pathway says, see, I was right. Remember, the brain likes to seek pleasure, avoid pain, and be efficient at all times. So when we start a program and it doesn't, the timing isn't what we think it should be, because everyone always asks me, how long will it take, Kelly? And I said, why don't we just decide to do these programs and do something where you're moving your body, eating clean, and drinking water from now until you're 99? What if we just did that? Because then you'll understand that the prize is in the process and the joy is in the journey. And then when you stop overeating, that's when all the emotions come up that you've been stuffing literally and you've been buffering away from. And that's when your work starts, where you feel these emotions and then you're not so scared of it. And you can do it in other areas and you can teach your kids how to do it. You can feel comfortable feeling uncomfortable. And then when you see your kids having the same basic human emotions, such as loneliness, anger, rejection, sadness, 
you will be much more comfortable seeing them uncomfortable. You're like, oh yeah, this is part of the human experience. Totally normal, totally cool. And when you think about it, Brooke made a good point. She's like, we actually go to movies on purpose to feel our feelings. We go to movies and the harder we cry, the more we put it on Facebook saying, this is the greatest movie you'll ever see. I cried my eyes out. Or we'll post something, a video and say, grab the box of tissues. Isn't that crazy? We go to movies, we pay a lot of money. Movies are expensive, yo. And we go to movies and we cry. And the more they tug at our heartstrings, the more we feel all the emotions of the actors, the better the movie is. That just proves how emotions are not as scary as we make them. And I'm trying to get you out of constant conflict with yourself. Because when you're not in constant conflict with yourself, you're not so edgy and touchy with your spouse or with your kids or with people on, in traffic or people at work. You're rebelling against yourself. And then you're creating all this anger in yourself that doesn't need to be there. You're causing your own suffering. And I am begging you to stop punching yourself in the face and saying, it doesn't have to be this way. There's a much easier way. And instead of being focused on the A line, why don't we focus on the T line? That's when you get results. Because when we try to solve our problems with food, we're actually creating more problems. And I love the analogy of Pavlov's dog. So with Pavlov's dog, they rang the bell, fed the dog, rang the bell, fed the dog, rang the bell, fed the dog. Then they rang the bell and the dog's mouth would start to salivate because they knew what was going to happen. It's like action, reaction, action, reaction. And we're caught up in this action, reaction. And when we don't ever feel our feelings in between the action and reaction, we're missing so much of the human experience. Because I want to think about if you've ever, let's pretend you don't smoke cigarettes. Do you smoke cigarettes? I'm not sure if you smoke cigarettes. But I like this example Brooke uses with cigarettes because I don't smoke cigarettes. I think I tried one in fourth grade and it was menthol. And I thought it was the most disgusting thing of my life. I can't believe it was fourth grade. If my kids started in that fifth, fourth grade, I would be like, oh my gosh, there's something wrong. So I tried one in fourth grade. It was menthol. It was disgusting. It makes my mouth like, ooh, when I even think about it. But people that don't smoke don't crave cigarettes. If you don't drink, you don't crave alcohol. So, like, I love peanut butter. I crave peanut butter. Lily doesn't crave peanut butter. I look at her like she's a alien from outer space. How do you not just want to eat this by the spoonfuls? And she's like, yeah, I can take it or leave it. That's how I want you to be about food, where you take the emotion attached to food that you think that food is going to solve your problems and solve for your emotions. That actually doesn't happen. The exact opposite happens because let's say you see a picture on Facebook that you weren't invited to a happy hour at your office. Most of the people from your office are there. You weren't invited. You're not there because you weren't invited. So you feel lonely. You feel rejected. You feel like no one loves you. So you see it on Facebook. It makes your heart sink. I think it's all happened to all of us because there's no way you can invite everybody to everything. It's truly impossible. So you see the thing, you have the emotion, and you're like, I want to get away from this emotion as soon as possible. These chemicals that my body's emitting, not good, no bueno. This vibration is terrible. 
And so what we do is we go into the pantry and we think that the pantry is going to solve for the rejection and loneliness. So then we create more rejection and loneliness and no one loves me by feeding ourselves and creating more of a buffer against anybody ever hurting us because we think that it's acting as a shield. Isn't that crazy? But if we just felt the emotion, this hurts, this stings, this is lonely. This is the feeling that no one loves me. Of course, I have lots of people that love me, but you can have that conversation with yourself and just see how the amygdala goes straight to the sky is falling. I'm going to be homeless on the street. I can't believe this. No one loves me. I've never been lovable. There's something wrong with me. I think that's everybody's greatest, deepest, darkest fear. I know it is, is that we're not good enough and that the sky is falling and we're going to be found out. When we just know that Everybody has their own cross to bear and everyone's dealing with their own emotions, but no one gets through this life without pain, without sadness, without loneliness, without anger. All of those emotions are completely normal. And I love the way Jody Moore explains it. She said, it's like going to the doctor when you need a shot and you know it's going to hurt, but instead of going and having them drag you in there and kicking and screaming, I don't want the shot. I don't want the shot. You go in there you're like, I know it's going to hurt, but I can handle this. I can do hard things. I can get a shot. That's how I was when I was going through in vitro. I was like, I got this girl. I got the raffia. I can do hard things because I know the end game is so worth it. So I'm going to pause this conversation and we're going to continue this next week and how to actually feel your feelings and let the urges come and go and not have such a hold over you. And we're going to talk about that more next week. And if you need any help from me, I am here for you. I can help you with all the things. I'm a life coach. When my kids come to me with a problem, I'm like, you know, I have baseball coaches. I am a coach of life. I can't solve your problems, but I can make your problems feel not so daunting. Get up in the T line because I know a lot of you are spending so much time in your C line and I will help you spend time in your T line. This isn't about rainbows and lollipops. This is about feeling feelings on purpose and with consciousness. So I am here to help. I'm here to serve. I can help you with your parenting, marriage, weight loss, getting your house organized, quitting cigarettes, whatever it is, please reach out. I am here to help. I'm here to serve. I love you all and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Hey mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com and if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt resonating moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.